Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So it was two years ago today, December 18th, 2016. Remember the Bucks went to play the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium, a game that was flexed to Sunday night on NBC? Tampa Bay had won five in a row. They needed just one more win to probably clinch a playoff spot. It was a marquee matchup. They fell behind, rallied to take the lead in the third quarter. Yeah, I remember those games. It turns out that was the high point for Jameis Winston, Dirk Cutter, and Jason Light. It felt like the start of something, but I guess it was the beginning of the end. We're going to look back at that game as the Bucs prepare to head to Dallas again this Sunday, and we'll look ahead to some Pro Bowl voting that's going to take place tonight. Who's going to make it from the Bucks? Mike Evans, Jason Pierre-Paul, Levante David, maybe Gerald McCoy has gone six straight years. We'll check that out. And we've got uh, all that and Darius Taylor's decision to skip the Bucks game on Sunday. We'll explain that on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Who doesn't? For 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. That's... 727-862-2100. 727-862-2100. Call them today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. So the thing about anniversaries is they can be simply observed or celebrated, depending on whether your memory is good or not and uh, about it. But it turns out I think this one was both two years ago today. You remember the Bucks played that game in Dallas against the Cowboys, and they were 8-5. and five. It was Cutter's first season as head coach. They had just beaten the San Diego Chargers a week earlier. Uh, 28-21, it was, you know, part of a five-game winning streak. The Bucks have not won more than two games in a row since then. Um, the defense had come alive under Mike Smith, if you can believe it. They were producing all kinds of turnovers. They were tops in the NFL in third down defense. And uh, even though they hadn't totally arrived, they just needed one more win to, uh, to get into the playoffs. And one over the Cowboys would have done it with an outside chance of winning the division. Now, the Cowboys – we're 11 and two, so this was a marquee matchup. Um, and I talked to Dirk Cutter a little bit about that and what his memories were, and he just remembered how excited that the players were to, to be in that game, and and of course how the game went. But at that time, Steve, everything seemed possible for this franchise. You had made the move to Dirk Cutter. Lovey Smith was fired. Um, they got off to a, you know a, a kind of a I think it was a slow start. Rallied, uh, got to eight and five. Won the five games in a row, beat teams like Kansas City on the road, San Diego on the road. Some really big wins in there. And they were a young team, but they had some swagger to them. Winston was sort of a, this bit of a gunslinger, but, um, you know, he was making plays. And, uh, yeah, he had his share of turnovers, but, you know, he had stopped that as well. I mean, he was starting to, to really get on top of that whole curve. Uh, and as it turns out, 
Who would have thought at that time that that would be it, that that would become what is the high-water mark for this regime, that the Jameis Winston, Dirk Cutter, Jason Light trio, if you will, uh, and all the moves around them, it, it has never produced anywhere near that level since that night, since that game. And so here they go back on Sunday to play the Dallas Cowboys, who need a win and a loss by Philadelphia to clinch their division in the NFC East. Um, and look at what the Bucks have become. I mean, it's really shocking when you think about, you know, and there's been a lot of moves in personnel since then, um, but the basic, you know, the basic players are still there. You have Mike Evans, you have Cameron Braid and Adam Humphreys. Those are the guys that will be going back there on Sunday and with Dirk Cutter, but to a totally different feeling and a totally different, I don't know, what you what you anticipate as an outcome to this season. Well, let's not forget, too, that five-game winning streak that you rode into that game two years ago is why Mike Smith got a huge contract at the end of the year. So true. To stay as a defensive coordinator, not to go get a head coaching job somewhere else. And we know the defense has been atrocious since then, or at least Great while point. he was there. That mm-hmm. everything was was felt like it was riding high at that point from from the offense to the defense to it just felt like everything was finally clicking for Tampa Bay and then you're going into a primetime matchup where you know it was time to show the world that Tampa Bay's back yeah you had you had Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and you know Sunday night is is really become the, the the marquee night more than Monday night because they have the ability to actually flex games and uh you know so here was one that was nationwide that they had moved back it was supposed to be an afternoon game moved it to Sunday night and so the world was watching and um you know it was it was one of those deals where uh the Bucks kind of played played them straight up for a little while it, it was it was you know some field goals back and forth um and then some of the cracks started to show and I'll be honest with you they're they're still they're still visible today um Jameis Winston had a rough night uh, you know, he did some good things, but he lost a fumble. He threw three interceptions. Uh, for goodness sakes, he lost his mind at one point and headbutted one of the linebackers from Dallas and drew a penalty on second and goal that lost, likely cost him a touchdown. Um, so you saw the emotional part of him come out. Uh, what Cutter said at the time, he says, he said, you know, we saw the streaky side a little bit of Jameis. Does that ring true today, the streaky side of Jameis Winston? where things can go really, really well and then go really, really bad. It seems like it's not a side. It's him. Game. He's streaky. Yeah, exactly. He's very he's very much like that. Um, the offensive line was the problem in that game. If you recall, they lacked a lot of depth. I mean, they had some different guys playing. Um, but Winston, you know, as he's been most of his career, was sort of under siege. At that time, DeMar Dotson um, missed the last five games, I think, of that year or – a bunch of games, maybe not the last five, but it's a bunch of games. He was not able to play. So they had Gosder Cherilis, who was a you know, former first-round pick of the Lions that was their backup veteran player, had played a lot of football. He was playing uh, the right tackle spot. Well, he could not handle a defensive end that was fairly obscure at the time named David Irving, um, who kept getting a free path to Winston. And Irving ended up wrecking the game. He had a, a sack and a half, almost two sacks. Five times he hit the quarterback including on some throws and uh but you know this game that that game at that time was was very even I mean the Cowboys were 11 and 2 I mean they were rocking it you know that was uh when Ezekiel Elliott burst onto the scene as rookie of the year and Dak Prescott had taken over for an injured Tony Romo and there was debate about whether Romo would come back 
We thought that maybe we might see him in that game, but we didn't because Dak Prescott was tremendous in that game. Um, but it was, you know, it was it, it was just a a situation where they couldn't block very well, and and that continued as we know. Um, you know, the game was even. They get a sack by Terrell McLean. Um, you know, sack fumble. Before you know it, they're trailing 17-6 to at halftime. And then Winston does what Winston has always sort of done. He makes a run. He makes some plays. Um, there was this one play, which is prototype, is just so Winston that he had a third and one, and he could have easily run for the first down. Instead, he winds up and throws one ball down the field to Adam Humphreys, and the ball is actually batted up in the air. Uh, and Humphreys comes down with it in the end zone for a touchdown. It ends up being a 42-yard score. Um, and then he hits, you know, and Cam Brate makes a circus catch one-handed over the middle and ends up with a TD reception. And before you know it, they've come back and, and taken a 20-17 to 17 lead with about four minutes left in the third quarter. And at that point, I'm here to tell you, I have been part of the, you know, the few teams that have won uh, for the Bucks at least in the modern era since Tony Dungy got there in 95. And it felt like, you know, they had turned a corner, that this was – going to be their night this was going to be the game that that, that you point to uh, as their sixth win in a row but one on national tv against a very good cowboys team uh and then it, it just sort of fell apart i mean dambelli got a field goal to tie the game there was another sack uh that forced an interception that led to another field goal it was only 26 20 and they got the ball back a couple times but uh Charles still couldn't handle irving they they put in leonard wester who was a rookie at the time. He couldn't handle him either. And Mike Evans was deep. Jameis overthrew him. He's wide open for a touchdown down the field, unbelievably. And, of course, Jameis misses him. We saw the problems that Jameis has had with the deep balls throughout his career. Um, and so, you know, pretty much everything was on display there. You know, Jason Light really never did get the offensive line that much improved. I mean, they, they went after J.R. Sweezy the next year. He ended up with a back injury. We know what they did this year with Ryan Jensen coming into play center, but, he, you know, he's led the team with 11 penalties. And DeMar Dotson is still your right tackle after all these years. His ninth season, still battling injuries, still a guy that you really don't feel like you have a replacement for. And then it was also, if you remember, Steve, the beginning of the end for Doug Martin. I mean, Doug Martin had been a pretty good running back for this team, but not that year. And I think he ran for about 46 yards or some somewhere thereabouts. So they really the running game had started to shut down because they didn't have, you know, the running back or the offensive line to really help them with it. And then they went to New Orleans the next week and it was stunning because I'm in the press box and they hand out the inactive lists and Doug Martin is inactive for the game at New Orleans. One of the you know, which would then become the biggest game of the year because had they beat New Orleans, um, even with the loss to Dallas and the loss to Carolina, they wound up beating Carolina, but they could have lost to Carolina, but the win over New Orleans would have gotten them in the in the postseason. And Doug Martin, your you know your star running back, is an active coach's decision. Well, now we've come to find out that it was because they had learned uh, that he had failed a drug test, and maybe some things were on his mind. Maybe they didn't know if they were going to start serving that suspension, you know, at the end of that year rather than the first four games of the next season. He wound up missing you know one game on suspension and then three the next year. Um, but they've never really straightened out the running game since. I mean, you can talk about. You know, their attempts to draft Ronald Jones or, you know, uh, Peyton Barber uh, taking over, you know, a year ago. 
it just you know Doug Martin was here last season, but it just hasn't they haven't been able to get the running game going in the last three years. They did the first season under Dirk, and the last three years they've not been ranked higher than twenty fourth. So all those things were kind of there. You know, you had a young defense with some playmakers like Quan, um, who they missed, and he made some plays in that game, forced a fumble. Uh, so they're a different defense. But you know, Mike Smith is gone. I mean, so much of what. They were counting on, and that's a great point by, about you, about Mike Smith, and so much of what they were counting on never came to pass. And it's amazing to me how, you know, every year is so different and how, you, you know, you, you've got to get over the hump when you have the chance. I firmly believe if the Bucks had made the playoffs that year, um, that would have changed the culture of this group. This group would have had an expectation. And even if they didn't make it the next year, they would have known sort of the path, you know, to the postseason and how you have to band together and, and put together wins and, you know, string them along and, and um, not be this team that's prone to wild mood swings. Um, well, I, I think, I think reason, hard knocks would have been a lot different last season had they made the playoffs sure. the year before. Absolutely. I think, Absolutely. you know, all of a sudden the spotlight was shining on this team, which they weren't used to and never had happened really before. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think – you know, last season could have been very different because of that too. Not that Hard Knocks was the reason that they struggled last season, but no. You know, sometimes that that show you can kind of start you know reading your own headlines a little too much and absolutely and and, and you know and that's kind of what the show does. I mean, that's yeah. And they had not arrived. I mean, you know, a lot of times you know you'll you'll make the playoffs and fall back a year, but the fact is they they felt like they had accomplished something when they really hadn't, and because of that because they had not made it to the postseason and they were being touted as not just a favorite in the NFC South, so many people were picking these guys to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, it was, I mean, good morning football and those that crew over there, it was unbelievable. They were the darlings, you know. Well, remember, when, they won the offseason the off when they signed Deshaun Jackson. Oh, yeah, and then the hard knocks, and they loved Jameis, and what a, what a great, uh, you know, charismatic leader and, and you know, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as his backup and, you know, the whole the interplay between Mike Evans and Deshaun, um, you know, Quan Alexander. There was so much to get excited about. Uh, and and people really, because of the 9-7 and seven season and because they came close, um, but with the spotlight on them, people really, really bought into it. And I think it did hurt them. I, I you know, I really believe that the human nature is that you, you tend to get over your skis a little bit. You find some fame that you really haven't earned yet on the field. You become a bit big of a target for everybody else um, because they're familiar with everyone on the team and, and everyone's story. Uh, and, it, and it just didn't, you know, it just didn't work out. But now here we are, and it's such a drastic, you know, change just two days later. Uh, and it's ironic they're going back to Dallas this week. And the Cowboys – have have turned a corner. You know, they went from there and, 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 you know, have continued, you know, Dak got hurt, but now they've continued to come back and have a chance to win that division after a slow start. So this is a huge game for Jason Garrett. They just got shut out. Uh, no points on offense at all in Indianapolis uh, where the Colts have surprised some people in that building. And so they, they not only need a win, but they need to get on track offensively and – I think this could be one of those games where it just gets away. You know, like, I wonder about the mentality of this football team. They know they're out of the playoffs. That was uh, formally, you know, they were formally eliminated on Sunday. Uh, so what do you have to play for? And, and yet it's the same, sort of the same cast of characters. Not much has really changed. I mean, O.J. Howard is, is on IR, so you won't see him. Um, you know, 
you've got Chris Godwin now, but suddenly he's struggling. What is the deal, by the way, with Chris Godwin? I think we had a question. Did somebody asked that question on. Uh, yeah, we had someone that messaged us on Twitter, Brian. That he asked us. Yeah. He goes, "What's happened? He's completely fallen off the map these past four weeks." Well, he not the past four, but certainly the last two. I mean, when he started for Deshaun Jackson a couple about three weeks ago, he had over a hundred yards receiving, he had a pretty good game, um, but but definitely uh, the last two weeks he has been a no show. He had w- w- one catch in ten targets two weeks ago uh, in in that one loss to the Saints, and then um, you know on Sunday, you know. That game ends up a different way. I fir- I firmly believe. You know how you can go back and you can look at like two or three plays from any game and say, mm-hmm. well, if we make that one or whatever. If you remember, the Bucks came out and ran the ball really effectively right down past mm-hmm. the middle of the field, and they're in the plus territory. And Chris Godwin is open over the middle, and the safety fell down. If you watch the play, uh, if Godwin makes that catch, and yeah, it's rainy, and yeah, it's his first ball thrown to him, and Oh, by the way, he's coming off a bad game where he fought his hands a little bit and had some drops. If he makes that catch, he's probably going to score. And if you score a touchdown and sort of put the you know the Ravens on their heels, first and foremost, he needed the points. Um, but you know maybe the tenor of that game changes a little bit, and Godwin just dropped it. And I gotta believe, and this might be unfair because it's just sort of speculation, but I gotta believe that you know. When you have a game like he had and then try to come back from it, if one thing goes wrong, you you have a, a crisis of confidence. I mean, catching a football is a confident thing. We saw Mike Evans struggled with it as a rookie mightily. Um, you know, his you know, they, they were giving him self help books because he was fighting his hands so much. And you have to you know, you have to wonder if Godwin coming off that rough game wasn't feeling some of that at least early and you know, as it turns out, since the Bucks had such few possessions, those those were all precious possessions that they didn't capitalize on. So, well, and um, how much how much is him, especially the last two games? I mean, let's be honest: the Saints and the Ravens are two of the better defenses they face this year. No question. And, you know, Jameis Winston's thrown for you know about just under four hundred yards, I think, combined in the two games. Yeah, he's under two hundred you know, and barely two hundred. Earlier yeah. in the season, they're getting four hundred a game. Some of that is, is look, when you play better defenses, they're going to start taking certain things away from you. Totally agree. And without the threat of Deshaun Jackson going over the top, it limits your offense some too. Yeah, they really don't have – I mean, you know, Mike Evans is a strider, and so he can sometimes get behind the defense. He did on that scramble play. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen him run by people like Lattimore in the New Orleans game. But that threat Um, of Deshaun on every play he's on the field going down the field opens things up. When Deshaun is just on the grass, right, regardless of what route he, he winds up running, you have to respect his speed and his ability to get on top of you uh, and get behind the defense. And that creates so much space. You know, it's just, you know, football's become a little like basketball and grass, but you need this space over the middle of the field. Used to be you would never consider attacking the middle of the field because that's where all the traffic was and you're going to get somebody killed. But now that they can't hit anyone, um, teams like to work the middle of the field. Uh, but, you know, Godwin, I, 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 he's look, he's a young player. I think he's fighting himself a little bit right now. And I think Deshaun, had he played or was able to play, or whenever he decides to play, if he does this week, uh, I think he makes a difference in whether the ball is going to him his direction or not because you're taking heat off another guy. You're giving guy uh, another guy one-on-ones. And – you know, that's what they needed. But, you know, on Sunday, they just simply didn't have the ball very much because they didn't convert on third down. The defense couldn't get off mm-hmm. the field. 
and we know what happened. But and, and Mike Evans had 120 yard, 21 receiving yards, and Jameis only threw for 157. Yeah, and 64 of those came on one play. Right, and but the, I mean, you best, know, that doesn't leave a yeah. lot for everybody else. No, no one else caught the ball. I mean, they did. They just didn't have it enough. Of the, you know, I think they had like I don't know 20 something less uh, offensive plays maybe than the Ravens did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly the time of possession was a 14 minute advantage. That's an eternity. You think about holding a ball. It's if a you said, okay, yeah, right, it, it really is. If you said, hey, we're going to give you the ball again. We're going to give it to you for 14 minutes. Score as many times as you can. You know? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable, but that's that's how how long their time of possession. And it, they knew it going in because they knew that they're going to run the ball, um, and they couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop, uh, obviously Jackson at all running the football and the third downs is what bit them too they did a good job on first and second but they converted so many of those including three third downs in one drive and a fourth down conversion that led to a touchdown so um you know a lot of a lot of troubles on the defensive side as well but but they held them to 20 points and really you need to score 21 as Dirk had told his team before the game if we score 21 guys I think we can win this game and it turns out he probably would have been right had they been able to do it um but, you know, it, it, it is such a different atmosphere at One Buck Place now. Uh, I was over there, you know, on Monday, and, you know, of course they've lost two weeks in a row, and um, everybody knows they're out of the playoffs. And, you know, Dirk, Dirk seems resigned to, you know, it's going to be a real surprise perhaps maybe if he, if he gets his opportunity to come back. Um, just how courageous would the Glazers have to be this time? I, I just don't know. I, I, you know, again, I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, it, I wrote a story on uh, on Monday about after that game about how yeah okay Dirk it might be too late for him but what about Winston, you know like he had he came back off the suspension he had a couple good games didn't turn it over, um, and you know now you've lost a couple, and you've got to you know come up with a way to, you know to compete this week at Dallas which is not going to be easy because so much at stake for them and, the, and like I said they got shut out. They're going to be madder than hell. So, um, you know, could, could these next two weeks suddenly become a referendum on Winston? I don't think so. I still think he's going to come back. But if he does, do you want to pair him with Cutter? I mean, all those things still apply. So all I know about it is is that this is sort of the scene of, of their prime, if you will. This is when the regime, uh, the new regime, looked like they really were headed for something special. And it just goes to show you that there is nothing guaranteed in the NFL. And if you're climbing that mountain and you get that close to making the playoffs and, and, and breaking these terrible streaks of no playoff appearances, you damn well better do it. Like, you just have to find a, a singular way to make that happen. Um, and, you know, at that time, it was a bunch of guys that hadn't played as much, weren't really household names. I mean, Cameron Brait was coming onto the scene a little bit and, 
you know, now these are the same guys they've been relying on. And there's chemistry and there's everything else, but they can't win. And the points are going down. You know, um, you're seeing it across the league. You know, we're sitting here as, as we're doing this podcast. New Orleans and Carolina are, you know, late in the third quarter. It's 7-6 to six Carolina. Uh, as the weather turns, as, you know, defenses adjust. Steve, you talked about this before we went on the air a little bit, how, you know, it's a, it's a constant adjustment you know, between offense and defense, and you see it sometimes within the same season. Yeah, I mean, pretty much in the NFL, unless you're elite and, and doing things at such a high level, defenses figure you out. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, it's probably been five or six years ago now, but the Wildcat. Oh, yeah. And everybody put it in during that season, and it worked. And by the next season, no one was running it anymore. No, Miami Because the probably... defenses quickly figured it out and said, yep. we know how to stop this now. What, what do you got next? Yeah, it's I mean it's a triple option and they were happy to hit your quarterback. I mean Miami probably did it as well as as well as anybody. And I know they'd take the quarterback out and put a running back to take a direct snap. But they figured out how to play that mm-hmm. and they're starting to figure out how to stop slow down some of these offenses too. The, with the Saints in particular, you know, they want to run the football and if they can't run it effectively with those two guys, then then Breeze is a bit of a sitting duck because he's a mm-hmm. shorter quarterback who really can't get out of the pocket. He doesn't want to get out of the pocket. If you can pressure him up the middle, you can get your hands up and knock some passes down or at least or sack him. Um, so, And they've really struggled these last few weeks. I mean, that offense was as good as any in the NFL. And even against Tampa, I mean, they had four yards rush or three yards rushing in the first half against the Bucks when they trailed 14-3. to The Bucks just can't get anything done in the second half these last two weeks. And they're playing better defenses, and that's, to me, that's been the difference. You know, they're, they're playing these good defenses, and they're not able to – to come up with the explosive plays instead of getting – they used to get eight explosives, what they call explosive plays. Now they're down to about four. Um, you know, it's it's just not happening. And their best play on Sunday was a scramble play with Winston just getting outside the pocket and he even it to Mike Evans on a dime. So, I don't know. It's uh, – I still think there's it's important games for guys. You know, you that you know the film is your resume. And, and for Jameis in particular, if there's any part of the Glazer jury that's still out, I mean, you know, it's got to be unanimous among all Glazers, I suppose, including Ed, um, who's out in L.A. But, uh, you know, these next two games, you know, again, they like to have all the information. These next two games will factor in there somewhere. But I was just stunned by – you know how things can turn how quickly things turn in the nfl i mean look at even within the same season you know this was two years ago we're talking about with the bucks how about the carolina panthers and ron rivera i mean this team was six and two coming Mm -hmm. off a win over tampa looked like world beaters i mean honest to god it was going to be like you know it's going to come down to them and the saints they're both making the playoffs all that stuff i remember the conversations were okay the four best teams in the nfl were the rams the saints the Chiefs and the Patriots. Absolutely. Does Carolina deserve to be in that group? That was the conversation yeah. after eight weeks of the season. Six and two, and it was yeah. a solid six and two. Absolutely. I mean, it was, you, know, you know, it wasn't smoke and mirrors. I mean, they had a really good defense. I think they still do. North Turner had done unbelievable things with Christian McCaffrey, uh, and he's still the benefit benefactor of that. So, it, you know, it, it looked like it was solid, but somehow they managed to make enough mistakes. And, of course, against Tampa, they – you know, Cam Newton threw four interceptions. I still don't think his shoulder is completely right. I think he's playing hurt. Um, but nonetheless, uh, that's the sort of season that, that gets you in trouble if you're Ron Rivera because you created those expectations at 6-2. and two. I mean, look at John Gruden, you know, and I know there were a lot of layers to why he got fired. Um, but, you know, 
they were nine and three. They had the number one seed in the NFC, uh, the entire NFC conference. And uh, then they went to Atlanta on a Monday night, and they got obliterated. They ran all over those guys. The Panthers did, and they wound up not winning another single game. And then three weeks later, John Gruden is fired. So uh, you just don't know. You don't know how seasons are going to turn. You don't know on which game. But uh, but Dallas Dallas is holds some pretty good and some pretty awful memories if you're if you're Dirk Cutter for sure. One of the silver linings, though, no matter uh, how the season turns out, and, and he got off to a horrible start because of the injuries, uh, Vita Vea has turned a corner in a big one, I think. Um, I, look, I was not high on the, on the pick necessarily. I thought they were going to go with Derwin James. It wasn't, I understood why they went you know, with a guy closer to the ball, but he was 347 pounds. A lot of people thought he'd struggle with the heat. He did, in fact, have a soft tissue injury in his calf. Um, and that happened the first day in pads in training camp, and then he missed seven weeks. And Vita Vea, um, you know, when he did finally get in there, didn't didn't look like he was playing fast. You know, he was just kind of, uh, you know, doing his job, but wasn't really making any plays. And so we know that a couple weeks ago he uh, got a visit on the practice field from Jason Light, <laughs> and. Apparently, Vita at first, like the last couple of weeks, he's kind of like been, ah, I don't want to talk about it. You know, it's between us, whatever. Well, finally on Monday, he, you know, he did say. He just came to me in practice, you know, just told me to be violent. Um, you know, he, same same thing uh, Buck and Spice always been telling me, uh, you know, but just uh, hearing it from him and, you know, going and then finally seeing the bigger picture and going back in the meeting room. And finally understanding what uh, Coach is telling me and, um, you know, finally everything's making sense. You know what I'm saying? You know, I think, think Vita is one of these guys that wants to please everybody and do everything exactly the right way. And that's – unfortunately, that's not really what football is, you know. Football can be messy. Uh, you just got to find a way to get guys on the ground. And, and he's done that, and it turns out he's coming off what was by far his best game uh, you know, with uh, I think he was second on the team in tackles with uh, you know, with like nine or seven or nine or something like that, um, and did a really good job of, of, of pushing the pocket and you know uh, making the quarterback uncomfortable. So, you know, we got a long way to go. Um, not this season, but what with Vita Vea and and you know if he can have a whole off season uh, and not get injured and be able to play in some preseason games. I, I actually think that Vea is going to be a pretty good player. I mean, they could put him next to Joe McCoy for a while. He's playing 75 or 80% of the snaps. Um, he's completely eliminated, you know, Will Golston from the equation. Vinny Curry um, is another guy that's not getting a lot of a lot of snaps lately, and that's because of Ryan Nassib. So they got some young guys that are sort of stepping in now and taking over, and him and Gerald played the same amount of snaps, so that's a good a good combo for them. So... Um, you know, Vea feels more comfortable, and they're awfully glad they're getting something out of their first-round pick. Uh, the other story over the weekend was Darius Taylor, uh, whose wife Kristen is expecting their first child. And I remember seeing Dirk Cutter spending a lot of time, a little extra time with Taylor on Friday after practice. And usually when you see that, when it's that public, um, you know, they're not talking about special teams. They're talking about something personal. Uh, and And indeed... Uh, you know, Taylor did not want to miss the birth of, of his child, and I can't blame him. Um, you know, typically in the NFL, it, it seems, because I'm sure, you know, there are pl- 
plenty of, of babies delivered to, to NFL wives or NFL you know players and their and their wives. Um, but you know, a lot of times you just have one day. You know, they don't want you to have the baby. I mean, any day but Sunday would work. And um, some people get induced, and it's a, it's an individual decision. And that's what Dirk Cutter said. He goes, "Look, I was there for the you know the birth of my three kids, uh, and and you know and most of it was during football season. And so it's cer- certainly something that you uh, that you're appreciative of. From what I understand, the Bucks had done everything to get this guy." Uh, you know, to Baltimore on Sunday because uh, they had car services, they had charter planes, they had, you know, any number of ways for him to get there. But he just didn't feel that, you know, he could uh, fully concentrate and wanted to be with his wife, who as of at least this taping on Monday night had not had the child yet. So, um, you know, you can't predict those things, but uh, turns out that, uh, you know, it may, may take a few more days. So, you know, it's just one of those deals. Riley Bullock came in. I thought he played pretty well. I, don't, I mean, he's not obviously a Darius Taylor, or he would have been starting all season. Um, but he he did he did a pretty good job, and uh, I don't think that's why they lost the game by any by any stretch. But it's unusual. It's, you don't hear many players taking sort of a paternity leave during the season and missing a game, um, you know, to have a child. But it's their first child. Hopefully, everything will work out between them, and Darius will be back. Uh, I'm sure this week. To play the Cowboys. There's no truth to the rumor that it's going to take two more weeks for her to have the baby, is there? <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, my first kid. I kid. I'm I kid. You, there's no rumors well, of you, that. Well, I mean, there's no rumors of it, but you just you don't know. I mean, I'm not like, saying there aren't people you know, that think that. I'm saying there's no rumors. No rumors. No, not at all. I'm not close enough to the Taylors to know. In fact, even his agent was like, look, this is really personal, and I'm not going to say anything about anything because it would have to come from him. Um, but, uh, yeah, sometimes those, you know, He'll watch pot doesn't boil type thing, but um, it's true. I mean, I spent my my first child was just it was ridiculous. You know, we're how long, how many days we were in there and waiting for something to happen, and then finally get induced, and uh, it still took twenty two hours of labor. I mean, it was insane. So you know, these things are are uh, sometimes not convenient as to uh, when or how your kid is born. Although I have managed to, uh, you know, it's not the same thing because I don't play for a living, but. I managed to have at least one child uh, get me out of a uh, preseason game in Jacksonville, so I was grateful to that. Let me tell you, <laughs> that's your favorite <laughs> like, child, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, she, yeah, absolutely. I said, honey, do you mind? You know, you're going to have a C-section anyway. Could we do it this weekend? Yeah, I know you could do it another weekend in the preseason. How about Jacksonville? Because I hate going to Jacksonville. So yeah, I was like, hey, done deal. As so. we've discussed before, the most popular day of the year for men to get a vasectomy is the Wednesday before March Madness. <laughs> That, that sure. way they sit on the couch for two days watching basketball. Sure. So, you know, you, you plan these things out. Yeah, no, I, I um, there, there's a reason why uh, you would do that. It makes perfect sense to me. Uh, I don't want to do it necessarily. I'm kind of a chicken that way, but. Well, but sure if you're going to get it done, at least make it convenient yeah. so that, you know, you get to right. reap the benefits. Yeah, take full advantage, in other words, mm-hmm. you know. Like you can sit there and say, honey, I, I, I can't move, you know. So it is what it is. Okay, so tonight, now, you want to make sure you tune in. I think it's probably around 8 o'clock or so, NFL Network. Uh, I'm sure they'll redo it, uh, get the news out on ESPN. The Pro Bowl is going to be announced. Of course, the game's in Orlando again. Not in Hawaii. I think a lot of players are bummed about that, but it is a short trip if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And to that point, 
who do we have that we think that the you know the Bucks may actually get voted into the Pro Bowl? I mean, I think Fitz Magic, right? Fitz Magic's going to yeah. make it. Well, after two weeks, he won Player of the Week both weeks. I so believe he was the NFL he's... MVP after two weeks. He was, and and he told me then he was either going to be the MVP or back to the bench. Well, he's back to the bench, so he's out. But we do have um, some pretty good candidates. I mean, it, th- it starts with JPP, in my opinion. Eleven and a half sacks actually took one away from him yesterday, which was unfortunate for him. Um, but he's made a monster dif- difference, you know, coming in with the trade from the Giants and playing hurt, playing every down, uh, playing every game. So I think he has a lot of respect in this league. He's made it twice before, and I talked to him, and he said, ah, you know, I, I don't need that to validate, you know, who I am as a player. I know, I, you know, I, ha- I play at that level and whatnot. Um, but I think he's, you know, certainly earned it. Um, you know, after that, I think Mike Evans is the other guy that is most deserving. He's going to set or has set already a, a career high uh, with more than 1,300 yards receiving this year. He just doesn't have the touchdowns. I mean, I think he's like second in the league in receiving yardage, but he's like 30th in touchdowns uh, if you care about such a thing. But most people, I think, recognize that Mike Evans is, you know, is a pretty pretty elite receiver. Uh, beyond that, Levante David deserves it. He won't get to go because they take the 4-3 outside linebackers and they put him in the same category as the three-four defensive end, um, and so they don't have sack numbers. And so, you know, sacks are sexy. So Levante uh, most likely, you know, will have an uphill battle, but he's he's really deserving. Um, and so you know, that's and then the last one is Gerald McCoy, just because he's been to six straight. Can he make it seven? Still one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL sitting here with like six sacks and still a couple games to play. So I'm guessing he you know, doesn't make it now that you have a defensive lineman that a different one that's going to make it from the Bucks and, you know. Perhaps. And and when your when your team is 5 and 9, they take that into sure. account too. How many players Absolutely. are going to make it off your team? I mean, you're not on national TV, remember? Mm-hmm. So fans fans vote for this, that's a third. The players vote, that's a third and then the coaches vote. But the coaches don't get to see anybody except the teams they play. Um so, you know, it's one of those deals, but uh you know the the players have a pretty good idea, and I, I again I think probably one maybe two guys could make it off the Bucks, and it, and if it were my for my money, it would be JPP, uh, and I think Mike Evans. Yeah, those are those are by far the top two. Yeah, but it's a tough category because you have a lot of good receivers in the mm-hmm. NFC, uh, obviously in the NFC with you know Julio Jones and 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 Michael Thomas, and there's just so many, uh, and the one thing that Evans doesn't have, despite over 1,300 yards, he doesn't have a lot of touchdowns. Yep. So that may or may not be a factor. But a lot going on. We got the voting. We got, of course, the Lightning are at Vancouver tonight. Uh, they're playing the Canucks, uh, which who beat the Lightning. 4-1 to, uh, one four in, to one. in game two of the season. We were all panicked and worrying about saying, what's going on with the Lightning? They scored <laughs> you know, one goal in, in regulation overtime in the, the first game, which they won in the shootout 2-1, to one, and then they lost 4-1 to one to Vancouver in the second game of the season. So they'd only scored two goals in the first two games, and we were all panicked. Yeah, I think it was a uh, a combination of uh, of that and the fact that they didn't score any goals the last two games of the season. Well, yeah, it was you so, know it was that it was yeah a continuation. <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? I know it's been six months, but still you can't score. What's wrong with you? Well, even that first game of Florida, I believe it was wasn't it a shorthanded goal in the third period yeah. or something that that finally yeah. got on the board. It was you know like over three games that they hadn't scored since if you count yep. the playoffs. That's what it was. It was a scoring drought, and now look at them. 
can't judge it that quickly. Um, so yeah, that that this will be uh, probably their easiest test, I guess, of this road trip. They got some tough ones coming up after this. Yeah, well, Calgary, uh, who's tied for the top record in the West, is coming up Thursday, and then they're at Edmonton on Saturday. Right, and uh, looking for points in their tenth straight game, so they're still on a, a pretty good roll. Uh, the Lightning are. So we got all that. Uh, of course, uh, I'll be back out at One Buck Place later this week. We're going to talk to Matt Baker about college football recruiting. Um, maybe get Diana Nerosan to talk about the Lightning at some point. Mark USF Tompkins. is at Marshall on Thursday night. That's right. Got the big bowl game coming up. Uh, boy, that's going to be uh, that's going to be well attended. I would imagine the Gasparilla Bowl at Raymond James. Doesn't any, any better than that, does it? But you got to keep it with us. We're here Monday through Friday. We appreciate you got our feedback. We're getting questions, uh, which we will answer uh, for you. Maybe we'll have a mailbag this week. You never know. But you can ask us questions anytime. Yeah, like Brian Twitter. did tonight ask. about Chris Godwin. Yeah, exactly. Perfect example. We'll, we'll use those in the show, or maybe we'll have a mailbag if we get enough of them. But uh, go on Twitter to at uh, SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or uh, you can email me at rstroud at tampabay.com. Uh, so. Uh, also remember to, uh, go see our friends. If you have any air conditioning needs, folks, millionaire, that's the name you want to remember. They've been working in Tampa Bay now for 30 years. Okay. Trust the masters of comfort. Trust millionaire. Call them at 727-862-2100 for all your air conditioning needs. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great, great day, everybody. 